Welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature-centered paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms, through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Good evening, good morning, good night, good second breakfast, whenever you are, wherever you are. My name is Laura Gonzalez, and I welcome you to Lunatic Mondays on CSMP, the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast. Tonight, I have a couple of guests that I'm really happy to have, and I cannot wait until I pick their brains because there's a lot of information that is very valuable for everybody who's listening today. Uh, They are Marta Kirby Capo and Vincent Higginbutton. And they wrote the book called Thrifty Witchery, Magic of the Penny Pinching Practitioner. I I mean, this is an amazing book. But let me tell you a little bit about them. Martha is the editor of the Agora on Pazios Pagan and a member of Circle Sanctuary and Covenant of the Goddess. She has presented at pagan events and can be heard on KPPR, Pure Pagan Radio. Vincent is the author of How Witchcraft Saved My Life. Mostly self-taught, Benny follows his gut in all things magic, but spends plenty of time researching. He has a dedicated practice with the goddess Hecate. It's not, uh, <laughs> it's so funny because I'm actually wearing a Hecate t-shirt. But anyway, yay, yay. welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, Martha, how are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so pleased to be here. I have some friends at Circle Sanctuary, so shout out to all of them. I won't call them by name, but shout out. I love you. I miss you. <laughs> I'm down here uh, south of Miami. So, uh, you know, it's it's uh, 89 degrees today, and we're grateful for it because it's a little cooler than it has been. <laughs> oh, my God. 89. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Here yeah. in Chicago, I mean, it's, un- it's uh, unseasonably warm in Chicago, but I wish we were 89. How are you, Benny? Uh, I'm doing really well. It's actually unseasonably cold here in South Carolina because it's an El Nino year. So I'm looking forward to the cold, actually. It's a nice little break from everything. But um, otherwise, doing really well. Took the day off to talk with you today. Thank you. I so, I'm so honored uh, when... Can I call you Benny? Is that okay? I mean, Yeah, call I, me I, Benny. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so when we were talking and I'm going to, I'm I'm going to uh, tell people what happened, Martha, if you're okay with it. Sure. That's fine. So I am here with my foot all the way to my esophagus because when Llewellyn sent me the book, um, Thrifty Witchery, I was so happy, right? That there is a book that exists that talks about being resource- resourceful and I saw the names and Higginbutton, for those who are familiar with Circle and the minister's training program, the last name is very familiar, right? Because we have our very own River Higginbutton. And that's why my brain registered. And I'm like, okay, Vincent, you want to come to the show, Vincent? You want to be part of the show, Vincent? You want to do an interview? And I never even realized because my brain just took a day off 
the Martha, this is a book collaboration. And then afterwards, I was like, can somebody please tell Martha that I am so extremely sorry? And she was very gracious, didn't get mad or anything. And she's like, yeah, I come to the show. So Martha, I am very, very sorry that that happened, but I'm very also very happy that you're here today. And then to learn also that you um, have a connection with Circle. So can you, can you tell me a little bit about that? Because I had no idea. You know, I, uh, I've been a member, I guess, uh, my gosh, it's probably been six, you know, time is wibbly wobbly because of COVID. I think it's been six or seven years since I used to live up in the Chicago area. Uh, and then went to PSG, I guess in 2017 or 18. And then right after that moved down to Miami. Uh, and so PSG became something that I wasn't able to do anymore. So I've become really active down here uh, with the uh, Miami people, but I've kept my membership with the circle because you do such good work in the world and, and measurable uh, work in the world. Uh, and I want to support that. So I do. Indeed. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm glad you're there where the climate is, you know, if a bad day is 89 men, that is, that is so cool. Uh, <laughs> and, and um, we're going to dive right in, into this book. Um, I usually ask people, you know, about their upbringing and how they got into witchcraft and how they encounter this wonderful religion, passion, lifestyle, spirituality, whatever you all like to call it. And Vinny, your story really strikes me because I also grew up with limited resources. And then, of course, you wrote the book, Witchcraft Saved My Life. But tell us a little bit about how you encounter witchcraft and how you encounter your power. So um, I guess for a long time, I was practicing without even realizing that I was practicing uh, witchcraft because I, I guess you could say I dabbled in magic for quite a few year, years. And, um, and then I was having a conversation with my sister one day and she was like, you're a witch. And I was like, am I? And she was like, yeah, you're a witch. And I was like, nah, I don't know. And so I really had to self-examine that. And I was like, oh yeah I've been practicing magic since like before before I even like realized I I was and um and it's always been with this goal to kind of find um myself or find self-empowerment and so a lot of what I do with magic is to seek self-empowerment or to seek um uh a better connection with my own self, right? Because for me, magic is that connection. Like I love the earth and I love the elements and everything. But at the end of the day, what connects me to manifesting my desires is the understanding that it comes from within me. And so I have to strengthen that connection in order to get there. Mm -hmm. And so that's just kind of what my whole approach is at this point. Does that answer your question? Yeah, so you've been practicing without awareness that you were practicing since forever. How about you, Martha? Did you did you came to witchcraft like very? uh... I was raised uh, in the Episcopal Church, which I just loved because it was smells and bells. 
you know, I just, it, we changed the colors for each of the seasons. It was, it was high Episcopal. There's a lot of chanting, a lot of candles. I mean, it was great. A little dude centric. And I never really quite fit in. And, and I kind of went through different um, denominations. My husband's a Unitarian uh, Universalist minister. So, you know, I, I, that's where I am on Sundays for several different reasons, but I still didn't fit in. And, you know, I came, which was not a, um, a, a label or a uh, box that I felt was that I could wear that mantle. You know, I think it's, I think it's, uh, I can't, I couldn't claim it for myself. I felt like that was, that was presumptive, you know, of me to to claim that for myself. Uh, but other people started looking at me and saying, well, you know, I like Vinny, you know, I, 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 you witch, you know, you're, you're kind of a witch, aren't you? And, uh, I was like, okay, I'll try. I'll, I'll look at that. I'll suss that out. And, and it, it ended up being, it's the only word that fits, you know, and it's the only uh, spiritual path that fits for me. It doesn't fit anywhere else. Uh, and so along about in my uh, 30s or so, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm, this, I'm, I'm, I'm this thing. I'm this thing, you know, and, uh, and so I guess I've been self-identifying for almost 30 years now. Uh, but it wasn't something that came very easily because, you know, I kind of resist labels anyway. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think that's part of the patriarchy. We got to go put everything in a box and, and shelve it, you know? Uh, and, uh, but it's the only, again, it's the only thing that fits. So I guess that's, that's what I am. <laughs> I, I quite often tell my apprentices that the only useful labels in this planet are sugar, salt, flour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those are the only labels we need other than that you know but it 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 really I mean your book really touched me in a very personal level because I love all the fanfare of witchcraft right and I love the capes and I love the I mean my athame I bought it probably 15 years ago and I love it it's mm -hmm. old is this is that is you know it was very affordable it was cheap but it's mine you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I love my cauldron. I, I love my things because now I have a relationship with those things. Mm -hmm. But if you ask me how I do my magic, it's like mostly it's just me, myself and I and the universe. Right. Mm -hmm. and so um, I did when I came to paganism, um, I bought all the tools like everybody, you know, but then how can I use those tools like <laughs> yeah <laughs> not that often and um i love that you both got the label from other people because traditionally at least in the mexican community of you know traditional witchcraft that's how it is is you get called by your town by your community mm -hmm. you get called into this is who you are this is what you do mm -hmm. and uh, i too got first being called a witch because people be very scared of my uh precognitive abilities mm -hmm. so they will call me witch not in a good way and it's so funny so you have here three witches that were given the label which is amazing um Another thing that I 
talk about very constant to whoever listens, you know, my apprentices or whatever, is what you need to do magic is the power within. Mm -hmm. And we are so enamored of the looks and the aesthetic and but I, I don't want to demonize those things so Martha how do how do we um uh, where do we put the line into yeah I love my things but I don't need them? I think things are great I mean you could take my cauldron and take it out of my cold dead hands I mean I love that thing um but I think both of us feel like uh, we really do believe that witchcraft is in your DNA and that each of us has a unique magical fingerprint and it's latent in us. And so your self-empowerment comes when you use your wisdom and your intention and your intuition to bring those latent qualities up to the fore. Now, as to things, we have some fabulous creators in the pagan and witchcraft community and we want to support them. Yes. But for everyday witchcraft, uh, it's very useful to know that the power resides within you. If you find yourself in a pinch on a bus uh, and you need to do some quick magic, but you don't have your tools with you, why not use the magic? I mean, everything that you live with is imbued with your energy, your sheets, your socks, your shirts, your pillows. Everything has your your energy already in it. Why not use what you've got like in the back of your closet or in your junk drawer or in your spice cabinet that already is soaked in your your energy for your daily stuff and save that money for the sparkly things that you want as a special gift to yourself you yeah. know uh there's no harm in and uh i mean I, there are some there are some um um artists and artisans in the uh community who i i would love to have everything they have but i save my money and buy one thing every couple of years <laughs> Yeah. And it doesn't lessen my ability, the strength or the, or the, uh, the, uh, um, the authenticity of my magic. If I don't go and buy all the pretty things, Benny, what would you say to that? Um, I mean, I really like rocks and I really like to buy them because they're pretty, but, um, I don't need them. You know, I don't, I don't require them in order to do the magic. I, want them so it really comes down to the difference between want and need right mm. like the things that you want are perfectly fine it's acceptable to want things because you're human and we live in this physical world and we are physical beings in this world and like then there's this other side that is spiritual and our spiritual is so much more than what is physical right and so if you want something that is physical, that is pretty, get it, you know, do it, do what you want within, within reason, because you don't want to like go break in your bank if you don't have to, mm -hmm. but be aware that it is not a requirement. Yeah. And I guess I'm going to say the one thing that could be controversial. I mean, come take my witchy license if you can. <laughs> um, the true story guys true story i mean this person has passed made their soul be where it needs to be and belongs and all of that but this was a, a person that had 
lots and lots and lots of extra cash to spare, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And boy, when we get together, you know, he will set up the altar and it was like, I mean, literally golden stuff, you know? Wow. And statues and all kinds of everything. And at one point, our study group, and I'm talking about prehistoric times, right? Like 15 years ago. So our group decided we are going to do a ritual. And I remember our leader at the time, he used the word naked. And we were all like, what? We're going to get naked? And he's like, no, no, no. Naked without tools. Because we were learning, right? So we were mm -hmm. practicing. We were practicing. And then he says, okay, so so-and-so is going to call spirits. So-and-so is going to call the air. So-and-so is going to call the da-da-da. So on and so forth. And this person was supposed to call, I think, water. Personally, I think that's the easiest one, but whatever. And uh, no tools. No mm -hmm. tools. And all of us did the best that we could. This one person, you know, the golden tool person, could not say one word. Not one word. I am not trashing his memory no i understand this is a true story and it dawned on me like how much power are you how much are you relying on your power based on your things that you cannot remember that water is on your every cell right and that emotion mm -hmm. like with the cycles of the moon and you know all of the things that are water and um I think it's a great practice to be able to access that magic without having to have a prop. And people who listen to this podcast know that I usually call tools props because mm -hmm. that's what they are to me. You know, this is a mm -hmm. prop for you to concentrate your energy, right? such and such things, because things aren't magical. We give them the magical prop. Mm -hmm. you know. That's fine. <laughs> Reach. Yeah. Well, this is this is practically something that I said on one of my podcasts, like my very first podcast interview. I use that phrase and the person that interviewed me was like, whoa, are you really want to say that? Like, yeah, because that's true. Um, so Vincent, being the a little younger person here, uh, younger out of the three of us, what's up with social media and how this social media <laughs> Lord knows uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's up with social media. I think it's like completely nutty foo foo if you're asking me. Um uh what do you mean? <laughs> I mean you wrote a book about penny pinching. Mm -hmm. And all we see is this incredibly powerful witches that are gonna hex the moon. Oh yeah, TikTok. With all these wonderful aesthetics and things, and so what's up with that? You're you're younger. Are you on social media at all? I mean, you have. To, um, I am. Yeah. yeah, I am on social media, and I do enjoy it. But um, I don't know why people think that. You know, here's the thing. So when I was when I was 15, I ended up on my own, and um, then by 18, I was literally out of the system and on the streets. And so I was exploring witchcraft by going to the bookstore and sitting on the floor and reading as much as I could in a book and 
taking notes and then trying to peddle um, tarot readings on the street corner in order to make like $2, you know? And I thought that that's what witches did. They all had to read tarot or they had to own an athame or, you know, you could only practice with a candle or whatever. And then as that path kind of opened in front of me, I was meeting people who were like, no, there's water right here. We have that. And, you know, the air that you breathe is air and the heat of your body is fire. And, and um, you know, you are made of the earth and all these things are already part of you. And so I started learning very early on that none of that is required, right? Like I can take my urine or my spit and the thing that's most important to me, which at the time was cigarettes or coffee or the like food that somebody gave me. And I can use these things to make a sacrifice because at the end of the day, what really, what magic really comes down to is your belief, your willingness to give the sacrifice that the magic requires, whatever that might be, and your ability to put in the work to see your desires come into fruition. That's what it really requires out of us. It doesn't require that we have an altar even. And I'm not saying don't have an altar. Like I have an altar behind me and I have a giant picture of Hecate and I have a statue and all kinds of stuff. But really the most important thing on my altar is the pumpkin that I grew myself from the seeds that came out of the pumpkin that I grew last year, which came out of the pumpkin that I grew the year before that. You know what I mean? And so like that is where my magic is. And it's not this thing. Like I love witchcraft stores. And in particular, there's one nearby that I love to go to. If anyone is in the Charlotte area of North Carolina, they should definitely visit Curio Craft and Conjure because it is the best witchcraft store I have ever been to. But while I want to go there and I spend money on things that I could probably find outside, I, I do that because I want to give, that is the sacrifice that I'm making for the relationship that I have with that shop owner, you know? And it's not like this big sacrifice of, oh, I have to give money or I have to give them something, but I want to because that feeds that relationship in such a way. And I'm not saying that like she wouldn't like me if I didn't spend money. I'm just saying that, there's reciprocity in everything that we do and mm -hmm. um you know really we don't need to you don't have to use herbs all the time in your spell crafting you don't have to have a vibe you don't have to look the part like i certainly don't look the part i i don't think that i walk down the street and go oh he's a witch you know maybe sometimes in some of my outfits or the clothes that I have that maybe have the moon on it, but I'm literally wearing a tank top with a pineapple on it right now. And <laughs> like gym shorts, that's not a very witchy aesthetic. And I am just as witchy as anyone else. I am witchy AF, if you will. And like, <laughs> it doesn't mean that I'm less because I don't look it right. And so I think that it's really important in social media for there to be people that are saying that as well. So I try to use my platform to make that point. And I try to use my platform to, to niche up too, because I think that currently in, in the world, 
witches seem to think that that's their entire identity. And mm -hmm. I grew up a gay man and I learned very early on that I was gay. I understood well before, well before I knew what gay was, I knew that I was gay, if that makes sense. And mm -hmm. so like for a long, long time, once I knew what gay was and I knew that I was gay, I thought that that was my whole identity and that that was all I could be. So I had to like become a drag queen and I had to prance around and I had to, you know, be uh, effeminate and flamboyant. And that was a show because I was trying to meet this aesthetic that I thought I had to um, kind of give to the world. And it took time for me to recognize that gay is not who I am. It's part of, it's not what I am. It's just part of me, right? It's, it's one piece in this huge, big picture puzzle because also I am just a dude or I am an author or I am an artist or I am a talker or I am a feminist or I am, you know, a dog lover or a father and all these things, right? And so, sorry, I don't know if you can hear my dog barking in the background, but he is going <laughs> off because I think my son is about to be off of the bus. Um, anyway, so like all of these things make you who you are. And I think that oftentimes when we find an identity that we vibe with, and we come into our own and understanding that identity, our, our knee-jerk reaction is to embody that identity as fully and completely as possible and then show it to the world and, mm -hmm. and be like, this is what I am. And we fail to realize that we are so many things. And I think that that's what we see on social media. People are like, this is my niche. And so everything about me that you're going to see on social media is which, and I'm going to have the greatest, most elaborate witchy setup and I'm going to make sure that I'm showing spells online and everything but really like what social media should be used for is to say hey I am a witch and I am a gay man and I am living with AIDS and I am a father and I am a dog lover and I am an author and here's all the things because mm -hmm. that's what being human is being human is not this one small thing inside of a box it is uh dodecahydron of 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 humanity and like you are dynamic in the shape of human that you are and it is best to embrace that dynamic aspect of yourself because that is what sets you free and empowers you so just it all comes back to self-empowerment <laughs> i want to say too that you know we live in a consumer society our society is built on people buying things and so I think social media is, is really sucked into that and reinforces this, this consumer society uh, where you have a fear of missing out. And so, you know, this, this uh, uh, mentality shows us things that, we, that are designed to make us want, to make us feel that we lack, that we must have this thing in order to be okay or better mm -hmm. or acceptable or whatever that is. And then the whole social media, you know, Conversations take place like face to face, but these, and I'm not on TikTok, but a lot of uh, Instagram that I see, um, it, they're not really connecting with an audience to find, to further a conversation or something like that. They're showing you something that's real sparkly and pretty because it's all about followers and what are followers? Again, consumerism. Because now you get to sponsor stuff and they send you free things and then you talk about their makeup or you talk about their fabric or whatever like that. And now you have become a cog in the engine of consumerism that this country runs on. And so that's my old lady rant right there. 
And I think yeah, that I... just like in the book, the opinions of the both of you really complement each other so gracefully because I, I'm thinking about the clothing that you were talking, uh, Benny. I'm a fat woman. So if I want to wear something witchy and fat, I'm looking at a $100 bill sure. for one mm. item. For one item, right? When a straight size is probably $15, $20, well, because I'm fat. They're going to put it's a fat tax. That's yeah, what it is. Fat tax. Mm. And because, I've, I, because I have a JJ, right? Now it's like also the female tax. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't believe I say a vagina. Um, <laughs> Why are you seven, Laura? Um, and ultimately, I sometimes I'm walking down the street, right? And people be like, oh, that outfit is so witchy. And I'm like, because it's a witch wearing it. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. not the outfit. It's not the fabric on top of my shoulders. It's me. It's your, it's your, it's your aura. It's your, it's your yeah, energy. Because the it's first thing I put on in the morning is my power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? And then I put on my chonis. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> uh, and the other part that you, that you were talking about, Martha, the, the, the capitalist consumerism, I have said a million times, here's million one. You give me a rotten tomato. I can trace it back on why this fruit is rotten because freaking patriarchy mm -hmm. capitalism mm -hmm. so society the system the status quo tells you consume so you can exist mm -hmm. pay so you can be seen and yeah. we forget that in the ancient times and i will say this until i'm blue in the face which i would like because blue witch um the witch on the town, the healer, the Tisil, the medic, uh, will be taken care of by their community. Mm -hmm. So the community gives you your name. You are the community's witch. But then the community supports you. So you can only be the witch. Mm -hmm. And in cases of people like myself, that I am a witch for hire, right? I'm a tarot reader. I'm a healer. I'm a Tisil. I'm a indigenous medicine woman, et cetera, et cetera. I need my community to take care of me. But back in the day, they will bring you a chicken. They will bring you a cow. I'm vegan. I don't have a farm. So you need to bring me money. Mm -hmm. We ought to pay for the things that we ought to pay. Mm -hmm. We don't have to pay to be something. You already are who you are. And, and mm -hmm. I love that you talk so much about that on the book. Um. I love this book. Um, I I don't know which of you will want to speak on how it is divided, and so I want I want you all to talk about how it is divided. So that the two main um, the intangibles and the tangibles people will know what we're talking about, and then how many practical exercises are, are there? Like a million exercises here? Like what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> who, who wants to who wants to run first with it? Uh, Vinny, I'll let you go first. All right. So um, the book is separated into the intangibles and tangibles. So intangibles are the things that you know exist, but you can't really touch, right? So it's not tangible. Self-empowerment is not something that you can touch. Um, wisdom is not something that you can touch. Uh, 
IWI. So intuition, wisdom, and intention. These are not things that you can touch, but you know that you have them, right? You, you, you experience them all day, every day, whether you're a witch or not. And then the tangibles are the things that you can touch. So it's kind of like taking those three intangibles and, and how do you apply them to the real world through forging, finding, and fabricating, right? So you go out and, and you use these three intangibles to identify um, things in the world that you can forge and use in your magic or that you can find in using your magic or that you can fabricate in using your magic. I love that you said too Martha. about uh, the intuition could be for like, I just, uh, I was just headlining a Florida pagan gathering, Samhain. And I had a guy who came to all of my workshops and he said he was the, uh, he was the uh, civilian because his wife was uh, a witch, but he was, and I was like, that's great. And I, so he came to my uh, workshop on, um, on intuition and how to develop your intuition. And I said, you know, and again, he said, I'm the civilian. I said, you can use this all the time. We all use our intuition all the time. That's not mm -hmm. to the provenance of the witch. Uh, you know, it's the provenance of the human. <laughs> um, I think that uh, for us, or for me at least, uh, but I think for us too, intention is the bridging element between the purely intangible and then coming into the tangible because your intention starts out as, a thought form inside you, you're thinking about it. You're you haven't written it down or anything. It's the act of writing it out that makes it become something separate from you, like on a piece of paper or something. So now that intention is out there for you to kind of massage and work with and refine and hone. And then it becomes, so that's on its way to becoming more tangible. And then you enact your spell, you cast your spell and thrust your intention out into the energies of the world. And when it manifests, however it manifests, which may not be how you thought it might, because there's a lot of energies out in the world, uh, then it makes that, that finishes that trek uh, to being tangible. So it has its, like its little um, bridge feet in your little inner cauldron where all of these intentions kind of come from. It comes out of your body and you and you almost change it into like an like an almost an egregore, like a spell egregore or something. And then as you enact it and then it comes to um, exist in this outer plane in the world, then it's tangible. And I think that stuff like that is just fascinating. I just think that stuff is fascinating. So what what's going on? What's going on? How many, do you know how many practices and spells and exercises are in the book? Do you actually know how many are there? Or... Well, you know, we wrote the book some... like three years ago, didn't we? Two years yeah, ago? Yeah, at some point we knew, but I couldn't tell you now. I think there's a list, actually. Is there 30, something like that? 30? No, it's 40? over 50. Oh, is it? It's oh, dear. Over 50. Oh, yeah. oops. And, <laughs> and I like to tell people about the book. Uh, Tripty Witchery, Magic for the Penny Pension Practitioner. Um, a lot of the books that I have acquired or been gifted, you have practices, you have exercises, but you have to sit through a long in introduction and then a long, like, this is the technology we're going to be using. And then mm -hmm. this is who I am. This is who the other author is. And, da, 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 da. and then on page 50, like, here's an exercise. <laughs> uh, you guys have an exercise 
like I think it's the second thing that you have in the book is like, oh, and by the way, do this exercise. I don't mm -hmm. like that. <laughs> like I love that because I uh, by now you probably gather that this about me that I'm all about the power, empowering the person, empowering mm -hmm. the empowering the witch, empowering the disenfranchised, et cetera, et cetera. So how empowering it is that as her guides on this book, you trust us to say on the third page, by the way, do this exercise mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then continue reading. I mm -hmm. love that. I've never seen that in a book. Seriously, I've, I've read quite a few because of my interviews and because I like him. But <laughs> um, I was impressed in a very good way that you have A, so many, B, so accessible, because you don't need a whole lot of things, duh. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and see that it was like right away, like get to practice now. Sure. Whose idea was that? I'm looking at you, Martha, but I don't want to. No, I think it was, uh, I think it was both of us because, you know, the yeah. thing is we come from such different, we're so different. Uh, we have different practices. Uh, we have completely different lives. Um, and so when we found something that we could agree on, I mean, we didn't like knock each other out or anything because we love each other and it wasn't about Vinny or me. It's about the book. Uh, we felt like if we could find things that that uh, resonated with each of us, then that must be something that resonates across witchcraft. Uh, if we were so different and it was a, a common thing for us, maybe it was a common thing for a lot of people. I think we, um, I you know, I I think that was a joint decision, Vinny. If I can remember that far back, do you remember? Yeah, um, definitely. I think that when we first wrote it. Um, our plan was to do two halves where it was, here's our thesis, basically, of the book, right? And then mm -hmm. here's a whole grimoire, a grimoire of practices or spells mm -hmm. that you can cast. And so I think that when we originally wrote it, it was broken up like that. And it was like the second half of the book was all spells or practices. And then that's they awesome. came back to us and they were like, hey, that's not really the way that you should set this up. And let's try it this way. And as they do when you're at when you're writing a book it's never I at least in my experience the first draft is never what ends up um being what's published and so we came back to it and I'm pretty sure that like five of those original things that we wrote were ended up in the book and that as we wrote uh, we were like oh wait no this could be a practice and mm -hmm. then we just developed practices as we wrote Mm -hmm. um based off of what we were writing in that moment and that really developed into a whole thing um I think it's important to put practices in books because or in books of this nature anyway because you really want to I think involve the reader and give them something hands-on to do because at the end of the day first thing that we're trying to do is say hey you don't have to feed the capitalism machine in order to practice magic so here's all these things that you can do that don't feed that machine, mm -hmm. right? And so we can't just say, hey, here's magic and you don't need to, um, you know, feed capitalism, but then we don't give any examples or any ways for which you, with which that you can practice that would kind of defeat the purpose then. Cause then we're like, here, give us your money and buy this book, but don't 
there's nothing to go off of, right? Yeah. Like, we have to give something back. That's the sacrifice of the magic, essentially, in that case. And so I think that it was incredibly imperative that that was included. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think the idea overall and, and the message that I get from from you guys right now is we're not condemning don't ever go to a witch store ever again. Don't ever buy anything ever again. That's not the point. That's correct. The point is your power does not reside on the things that you buy. Mm-hmm. Our power is already within you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just be That's wise. exactly right. Just be wise about the things that you buy. Because all of us, authors, practitioners, tarot readers, people that like me, you know, this is my 24-7 job, right? I'm a witch mm-hmm. for hire. We need to be hired. We need mm-hmm. to pay the bills. We, I mean, uh, Benny was talking about the relationship with the with the store over there in North Carolina and all of that. We need those places because witches stores are our churches. We don't have churches and the witchy stores are the places where we meet. I think they're very sanctified spaces. Yeah. I we think meet. they they really are. We meet, we gather, we buy our tools, we get to know other people, we meet like-minded mm-hmm. people and we help each other. And they are a invaluable resource for our community. So let's support them, right? But the magic is within you. So mm, learn yeah. to master that and then give yourself all the little gifts, all the treats that you want to. I agree. I mean, I think like some of my most, uh, I don't work with a wand. Either I work with my hand uh, or I have an old um, piece of wood. It's a long, probably six foot tall staff that I picked up uh, in Colorado and had my children drive it back to Texas. And uh, that traveled with me up to Iowa and over to Illinois. And then I looked at it and I thought, you know what? That's my staff. And so I went back and I, I had lots of ribbons that I had saved back from pretty packages. So I thought, oh, you know, that's a real pretty ribbon. I'm going to do something with that. I had my cat had had uh, her teeth removed and I, that cost a fortune. So I saved the teeth and I put a little bit of birch bark around an old pill bottle so that it and then I, I put a little lace cap on the top of it and some gold bric-a-brac and drew a picture of my cat and put the teeth in there and hung it off my staff so that I can hear it rattling. I mean, I, I put all kinds of stuff that I just had around the house that had associations for me. What do I associate with that? And when I pick up that staff, let me tell you, there is something that comes over me. I mean, there is, I did a croning ritual at this uh, Florida pagan gathering uh, that people had asked for. And that was part of what I had them do was, was, um, uh, talk about uh, how they could be empowered. And then when they croned them, I banged my staff down on that ground and called out their name uh, and had them tell their story. And I mean, it was, it was practically like, like, uh, you know, a little earthquake. Uh, and, you know, and that's just a stick, a big old branch that I picked up on the side of a trail on a little hill in Colorado. And eight years later, realized it was my staff Mm -hmm. stuff like that happens around you all the time you look at the world with your witch's eyes you you think with your witch's mind uh you if you're walking along a trail or you're walking along something and something catches your attention so often we just keep on walking uh that 
caught your attention for a reason. Now, I'm not saying The Rock came out and said, you know, oh, look at me. But maybe, I don't know. So it caught your, re- it caught your attention for a reason. And it behooves you as a witch to stop and pay attention to that. And whatever action you take from that is your action, but you don't disregard these little things that catch your attention and say, no, I'm busy somewhere over here, you know, doing this. Pay attention to what catches your attention. You know, in in that same breath, I have quite often been gifted books, um, not only from the publishing houses, but people, you know, they're moving or they want to downsize or whatever. And hey, Laura, you want these books? And quite often I get books that I have nothing, I have no use for. Sure. Right? That speaks like, like I don't work with mushroom. I don't work with psychotropics at all. Mm-hmm. So I got all these books that are about that kind of work. I happen to have a friend that does that kind of work. Boom. Right? I was gifted this wonderful book on hoodoo and voodoo in Santeria. Like, know my jam. Mm-hmm. I have this Catholic witch that is like, oh, I really want to learn about it. Boom. So sometimes when you're on the side of the road and something is calling your name, is because you're going to be the conduit mm-hmm. at prosperity, abundance, blessing, good fortune mm-hmm. to other person. You know, like you, you just don't the, know. You're just the conduit. And in your case, you're talking about the staff that sat there for what, eight years? Yeah, carried it. I, I uh, it went in the moving van when we went from Texas to Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And it went in the moving van when we went from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, over to uh, the Chicago area. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, time is of the essence. Benny, what haven't I asked you or mentioned about this wonderful book that you need to get out of your chest at this very moment? Oh, um, I... Way to put me on the spot. Um, That's my job. Yeah. <laughs> okay, think, think about it. Think about it. Martha, yeah. how can I ask about this book that we need to... This is a this is a book about abundance. And I think that that is um, maybe not the first thing you think when you look at the, uh, the subtitle, which I love because it's very uh, alliterative and I love all that kind of stuff. But this is a book about abundance that there is enough, that you don't lack. Uh, perhaps the thing that needs to happen is that you just tune into yourself and start paying attention. Uh, there's that word again. But the world is your apothecary. Your, your stuff is your apothecary. It's how you decide to use it that, is, that turns it from some, I, I don't like the word mundane because I think the world is magical. I mean, I think it's, I think it's magical that when I take out a coffee filter, I'm able to discern with my fingertips if I have one filter or two. Because think of how thin that is. Think of how light that is. Uh, and I can do that, and you can too. And so that's to me, it's a, it's a, it's a whole thing about abundance. Um, and I think that that's what I would really want to tell people that you were, you were such an abundant. Um, you are such an abundant source of magic. You just need to hone your intuition, your wisdom, and your intention so that you can fabricate your own tools and not go from like, oh, well, you know, I'd like to have that wand over there, but I can't afford it. So I guess I'll use this stick. Well, if you're already starting out that way, you've disempowered yourself. So what Mm -hmm. if you were able to flip that and say, I like that over there, 
but I know that I can use a stick and get the same results as I could if I had that over there. And then when I finish saving for a few months, I can get that thing over there and maybe I'll take it to, you know, Pagan Pride Day or to a festival someplace and, and walk around with it. I, yeah, I think that, oh, I don't want to cut you off. You go. <laughs> I, I just, just an idea that I remember because I do happen to teach a lot about abundance, prosperity, etc. I guess when we are in tune of either grown up um, with necessity or being very in, in tune with the abundance of the planet, um, you know, I, I started teaching. I've been teaching about that for many, many years. And one example that I always tell my apprentices is Chris Kendall Market, right, comes to Chicago every winter. And they have this wonderful Krampus masks. Oh, I know. I've seen them. They are glorious. I didn't even remember, look at the price. Do you remember what, how much are they? I didn't even look because I knew it was way past what I could do. I think it's like 200 or something. Uh, think again. It's, they're like 350 Holy moly. I mean, A, they're authentic. They're made by they're beautiful uh, Bavarian artisans. And they come from the land of Krampus. And every winter I look at it and I covet it. And I'm like, I really want my Krampus doll. I really do want my Krampus doll. But I never think about like, oh, I'm, I'm teaching here. I'm going to say the words because I'm teaching. Oh, I'm, I'm broke. I cannot afford it. I can't buy it. I don't have. Uh, no, I don't even use those words in my vocabulary, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, what I try to share with people is like, that is not a priority right now. And I do not need that Krampus doll. To be so connected to Krampus, I think I'm the only Mexican that is in love with Krampus. <laughs> um, and to understand the winter and the lore and the folklore and the magic of Krampus and that dark winter spirit, etc. Mm -hmm. So do I need the doll? No. Would I like to have it? Heck yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that a priority? Not at all. Mm -hmm. rent electric gas those food <laughs> yeah but anyway yeah it is that disconnect from what we want and what we need full circle that's what Vinny was saying at the very beginning so mm -hmm. Vinny, um closing thoughts um i was just gonna say that um you know this this really is the the title we've been told has, is a little bit deceptive because it's more than just magic on like a penny pinching budget. It, it really is about doing things the way that you feel is right for you. So like, mm -hmm. in addition to not needing to spend money for magic, it's also really important to remember that just because I say, Hey, hot sauce is really great to speed up the results of the spell. It doesn't mean that for you, hot sauce doesn't mean this is going to shut that person's mouth because mm -hmm. it's all about the connotation that your ingredients that you are choosing to use um, mean to you. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, the meaning that something has for you is what it means in your magic. And so you're kind of free to remember that when you're practicing 
magic or witchcraft or whatever you want to call it. It's all about how you feel led to to use it and what you feel led to use, right? It's it's a, it's that self empowerment aspect again, mm -hmm. and I think that it's really important to remember that when diving into this book because just because Martha and I are like, hey you don't need to do this or you could use this it doesn't mean that that is the end all of it like if you're like hey i want to use a sock for something do it right or if you want to you know i don't know use whatever dog teeth or like something that you found outside for something that just makes no sense to anyone else that's okay because if it makes sense to you that's where its power is mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Any closing thoughts, Martha? Uh, no, just uh, thrilled to be here and uh, thrilled to uh, have this opportunity to, you know, Benny and I for two, well, 18 months or two years, we're like talking every single day and videoing every single day, trying to talk and, and work this book out. And so now that it's been birthed and out in the world, we don't get to see each other all that much anymore. So, you know, yay. <laughs> Well, glad to be the conduit of a casual reunion. <laughs> and um, certainly, once again, uh, Martha, thank you for forgiving me for my huge oversight. No it's importa. My, it's my pleasure that you are here. Vinny, I never had a guest telling me I took a day off so I can record. This one is one for the books for me, so I am very <laughs> grateful for the both of you for having been here. And I'm very grateful that you wrote this book, Trifty Witchery, Magic for the Penny Pinching Practitioner. I'm not even gonna ask the questions because we now know it's redundant. Where can you get the book? You can get the book on your local witchy store. If your local witchy store don't have it, you can go to the Llewellyn website. If you don't wanna go to Llewellyn, you can go to Amazon. I mean, I hate to say it, but you know, if you're gonna buy from Amazon, write a review, help the authors. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, go to your local store, try to get it from there. If they don't have them, come to call carry it. Yeah, and carry it. Yeah. Um, there's nothing for me left to say other than inviting people to listen to CSMP, the Circle Century Network podcast. We have over a thousand podcasts for you to listen, download, and share. We have shows on English, Spanish, and Portuguese. We have Circle Talk to Tuesdays a month with Deborah Rose. We have Circle of Nature every third Wednesday of the month with Selena Fox. We have Songs of the Pagan Tribe second and fourth Friday of the month with Kern Green. We have Blue Marble with Char Bear on the third Friday of the month. And we have Paganos del Mundo on Spanish with Christian Ortiz, Harwetui Leva, and with Patricia Finkler on Portuguese. And we have the rotating guests for Paganos del Mundo on Spanish, um, Carolina Mor, Monica Govin, and yours truly, Laura Gonzalez. And of course, we have Lunatic Mondays on the second and fourth Monday of the month, every month. Uh, please listen, download, share, 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 share. Help us promote this work. Uh, we do it for free because we love you. And that's why you're going to hire me to do your tarot readings. <laughs> so I can keep doing all this free work. See, that's how it works. Um, thank you so much, Benny. Thank you so much, Martha. I'll leave you the microphone so you can say goodnight to your audience. <laughs>
Oh, thank you. Bye. <laughs> Good night, everybody, and have a wonderful, wonderful week, month, etc. Never forget <laughs> that you are loved. Bye bye. Lunatic Mondays is a production of Laura Gonzalez for CSN Podcasts, building bridges of community around the world. Thank you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow nature-centered paths. Join us throughout the week for various programming connecting with the community around the world. Please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash CSN podcasts. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. Until next time, many blessings.